In this comic book is a love story, a boy and girl in love. They get married, and after an offensively lurid description, illustrated, of course, of the couple's wedding night, the book shows how the bride murders her husband by chopping his head off with an axe. effect of these comic books on the children. Uh, all of our testimony from psychiatrists and uh, children themselves uh, show that it's uh, very upsetting, that it has a bad moral effect, and that it is directly responsible for a substantial amount of juvenile delinquency and child crime. Hello again, friends and fans of freaky, frightening, and fantastic funnies. This is Four Color Fear, the podcast dissecting and inspecting horror comics. Bob here, your friendly neighborhood cast keeper and curator of the 4CF Vault, and I'd like to welcome you to episode 23, where we will take a look at The Occult Files of Dr. Spectre, number 5, published by one of my favorite publishers, Gold Key, in 1973. Now, if you listen to episode 21, the Dark Shadows number one episode, we discussed the publisher history of Gold Key and the Gold Key, Dell, and Whitman publishing connection. So if you'd like to revisit that, you can go to the blog for colorfear.blogspot.com and listen to episode 21. So we'll take a look at Dr. Spectre and his occult files, and in particular issue number five when I get back, so stick around. They were just ordinary troublemakers as long as they lived. But they returned from beyond the grave with superhuman powers, unleashing an unholy reign of terror that holds an entire community in the grip of psychomania. Psychomania. Everybody dies, don't they? But some come back. How do the dead come back, Mother? When you die, you've got to believe that you're going to come back. You can only die once. After that, nothing and nobody can harm you. Psychomania. You know, when you have a horror film featuring a motorcycle gang called The Living Dead, you know you're in for a treat. This British film is one of my personal favorites, uh, released in 1973, the same year as our featured comic. However, I did not see it until later in the 70s. And if you're from the New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, tri-state area, you'd be very familiar with this. (laughs) 
Great memories. That's where I first saw this movie. Motorcycle gang with those crazy skull-like helmets riding around on their classic Triumph Tigers and Bonnevilles terrorizing the town. Very strange, funky, proggy, and sort of psychedelic soundtrack. Starring George Saunders, a classic British actor in his final film. He committed suicide shortly after production was completed, and he would also be immortalized by Ray Davies and Celluloid Heroes. If you covered him with garbage, George Sanders would still have style. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, Dr. Spectre. The Occult Files of Dr. Spectre was a horror anthology comic series published by Gold Key for 25 issues from April 1973 until May 1982. That seems like a long period of time for 25 issues. Well, that's because there was a publication gap between issues 24 and 25 from February 1977 to May 1982. So a little bit over five years between the final two issues of the comic run. And this comic featured a character, Dr. Adam Spector. He's a paranormal investigator, not unlike everyone's favorite paranormal investigator of the 70s. Uh, He would deal with various occult menaces such as mummies, vampires, werewolves, and the like, and he's aided by his secretary, who is a Sioux Indian called Lakota Rainflower, and she would be dressed in traditional Native American garb, which in this day and age would certainly be canceled. Uh, But Dr. Spector, his look was very mod for the early 70s. He's dressed in a suit, has longer, full dark hair, and a Van Dyke beard, and he wears this cape, uh, not un- a short cape, not unlike the Inverness cape of Barnabas Collins, very similar. Now, also very similar to Warren's Vampirella, not only would Dr. Spector host stories in some of these comic issues, but he also had a continuing story which had a continuity He would cross over with other Gold Key characters. So believe it or not, in the 70s, there was a somewhat loose Gold Key comics universe. Now, The Occult Files of Dr. Spectre No. 5 has a cover date of December 1973 and a cover price of 20 cents. And the cover is a beautifully painted cover. We do not have any credits for this at the Grand Comics database, comics.org, but it depicts... Dr. Specter being attacked by Mr. Hyde. And we get the title, The Occult Files of Dr. Specter. Below that, a tagline, An infamous fiend stalks the London fog, Dr. Specter and Mr. Hyde. So we see Hyde attacking Dr. Specter with his cane. We also see his assistant, Lakota Rainflower, standing nearby, uh, sort of shielding herself. And we get a, in the background, we get a close up of Mr. Hyde's face. We get the gold key trademark in the upper left corner. And also, we have a banner at the top of the page that says, and this banner's in green, and it says, Extra Fun, 16-page fun catalog. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. Now, inside the book, The Occult Files of Dr. Spectre Number 5 has 52 pages with two comic stories and no text story. Our first comic story 
Dr. Spector and Mr. Hyde finds Dr. Spector and his assistant, Lakota Rainflower, traveling to London to investigate the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That's followed by our second and final story, Little Old Coffin Maker, where one of the last coffin makers still practicing his trade gets a commission from a very interesting customer. So we'll take a look closer at our featured story from this comic when I get back. I'll see you on the other side. This is the story behind the most incredible series of murders to ever occur in the city of Seattle, Washington. You never read about them in your local newspapers or heard about them on your local radio or television station. Why? Because the facts were watered down, torn apart, and reassembled. In a word, falsified. Saturday, April 1st, approximately 2.35 a.m. Marissa. One of the three belly dancers at Omar's Tent, a well-known bar in the Pioneer Square area. She was through for the night and on her way to St. James Street, where she could catch the 3 a.m. bus that would take her to her small apartment in the Shoreline Park area. Anxious to get home, she planned to take a shower and go right to bed. She never made it. Adam Spector may have been a paranormal investigator, but he's no Carl Kolchak. That intro, of course, coming from the second Kolchak movie, The Night Strangler. You know, my dad has never been a genre fan, but he has always been a Darren McGavin fan. I'm not sure it's, if it's from his run as Mike Hammer in the late 50s, or, or all of his TV and movie appearances, or his short-lived The Outsiders series, possibly a combination of all of the above. But because of that, he allowed me to watch The Night Strangler, as he also had allowed me to watch the first Kolchak movie. And less than a year from this point, we would get the short-lived but highly influential Kolchak the Night Stalker TV series. And interestingly, my Friday evenings that had just earlier that year been filled with Brady's and Partridge's now consisted of Talking Apes and Carl Kolchak. Now before we get into our featured story, there's a couple things I should discuss, uh, one of which I did not mention earlier, and that would be the creators of Dr. Spectre. And that would be writer Don Glutt, who is a comic book writer, film director, but is probably best known as the author of the novelization of the second Star Wars movie, The Empire Strikes Back. And the artist for creation was Dan Spiegel, who was an artist that did a lot of work for Dell and Gold Key, mostly on licensed properties. The other thing I'd like to discuss is this 16-page fun catalog that is in the center of the book. That explains why this title has so many pages in it, as opposed to the normal 36. We get 52 in this issue, and that's because of this fun catalog that's in the center. And what it is, it's basically a 16-page comic advertisement for Kenner Toys. I see toys for both boys and girls, a couple that jump out to me, uh, the SSP cars and Smash Up Derby. Both of those were things that were in my arsenal. He's a demolition demon in the beat-up Chevrolet. It ain't worth a dollar, so he wrecks it every day. Now here is Kenner's SSP Smash Up Derby set, and you can hoot and holler cause you ain't seen nothing yet. Crash, bang, crack em up, put em back again. Crash, bang, smash em up, it's smash up time, my friend. 
Kenner's SSP Smash-Up Derby set comes with everything you see right here. We also get some girls' dolls and the Kenner Easy Bake Oven, a toy called Chip Away, which I had one of, Spirograph, and there's even a Boy Treasure Sweepstakes, and 13 cartoon classic films that Kenner would sponsor and air mostly on CBS stations through the fall and into the early winter. Uh, titles like Treasure Island, Robinson Crusoe, and A Christmas Carol. It's quite an ingenious marketing ploy. Uh, I don't know if I have any other comics from this time period that have this catalog as an insert, but I'll have to check that out. Okay, our featured story for the Occult Files of Dr. Spectre is the second story, which is the backup story to the main Dr. Spectre tale, and that's called Little Old Coffin Maker. Credits for this story, we get a script from Dr. Spectre creator Don Glutt, and art, and that's Pencils and Inks by Jesse Santos. Now... Earlier, when we were looking at the cover, I I said we had no creator credits for the cover, but seeing that Jesse Santos, who was a Filipino artist, comic book artist, and there were many of those that emigrated to the United States in the 70s, but he was a comic book artist who did a lot of covers for Gold Key. So I'm going to make the assumption that since he is the artist on this story, it's very possible that he also did the cover. Okay, we get an introduction to the story from Dr. Spector, and it goes like this. No one was more proud of his work than Herr Stossel. He had been in the United States for over 10 years, but still retained an air that made everyone recall the mountain towns of Central Europe. He hummed an old German song as he proudly polished the wooden lid of his latest and finest creation. And we see Herr Stossel polishing a coffin. He remarks to himself that hardly anyone wants his caskets anymore but thank heavens there are still some who know true craftsmanship when they see it and will pay well for it he looks at the clock sees it's almost midnight and thinks to himself it's almost time soon he'll be here my customer i'm certain he'll like this coffin it is my finest piece of work just then outside of his coffin shop we hear some gunshots and we see a man with long blonde hair and a goatee firing a gun behind himself, probably at the cops who are pursuing him. And he thinks to himself, these cops have missed me so far, but I can't luck out much longer. Gotta do something and fast. Meanwhile, back inside the coffin shop, Stossel wonders if he hears a car backfiring, but realizes it's gunshots and thinks to himself, well, that's no concern of mine. All that matters to me is getting this coffin in perfect shape. I don't want to disappoint this customer. Oh my, no. Now I wonder who that customer could be. Just at that moment, the door to the coffin shop burst open, and in comes this fugitive. Stossel says, who? What do you want? I haven't time to answer your questions, old man. That gun, is this a holdup? You're wasting your time. I'm a poor old man. Wait, now I remember where I've seen your face before. In the newspapers, you're Bert Ott, the one they call public enemy number one. Brilliant deduction. And if you're so smart, you know that I'm not afraid to use this, as he places the gun in Stossel's face. I've killed before, and I'll do it again, unless you do as I say. And what is that, mine hair? The cops are coming after me. They're checking out all the shops around here. They'll be here soon. You've got to hide me. Hide you? But have you looked at where you are? At that point, Ott looks around, notices he's in a coffin shop, and Stossel says, yes, one of the only ones left these days. Then Ott says, well, it looks like I've got no choice, and I've got to hide in the casket. This one looks better than the other, so it'll be this one. Stossel tries to protest, please take any coffin but that one, it's special. If anything happens to it, the buyer will pipe down. At that point, we hear a knock on the door, open up in there, this is the police. 
Ott whispers from the coffin, they're here. Now don't say a thing and you'll stay alive. So Stossel opens the door, a couple policemen enter, apologize for disturbing him and say that they're looking for a fugitive. And within the coffin, Ott can hear Stossel say, no one has been here, look around for yourselves, all you'll find are my creations. One of the cops says, creations? My caskets, handmade, like a piece of sculpture. Look at this one, officers, have you ever seen anything as beautiful? And he points to the special coffin that he had just been working on, where Ott is hiding. And he goes on to say, and look, my customer even wanted a lock on the outside, keeps out the boogeyman, hey, hey. And he locks the coffin. Inside, Ott thinks to himself, that old fool has locked me in, and I can't do anything about it without tipping off those cops. So the cops say, we're on our way, and they head out back into the night to look for this fugitive. Stossel wishes them a good night, and then turns back to the coffin and says, and now, my dear Mr. Public Enemy, I'll teach you what it's like to have your life threatened. I'll show you how much I like having a gun waved in my face. Let me out, old man. Look, you have my word that I won't threaten you again, but open this coffin before I suffocate. Don't worry, there's enough air inside that box to keep you alive until... until... <laughs> At that point, the clock strikes midnight. Stossel thinks to himself, It is time, midnight. My customer should be here any moment now. In the name of sanity, man, let me out of here. And as the final toll of the grandfather's clock resounds through the coffin shop, we see a man enter from the night. Ah, Your Excellency, you are right on time. The very existence of one such as myself depends on being on time. Greetings, Herr Stossel. When we see this man enter the shop, we see him from behind. He has a long cape, and we can only imagine who he is. We turn back to the coffin, and inside, Ott thinks to himself, now someone else is out there. I can hear a different voice, but can't make out what he's saying. Could be another cop, I better clam up. The customer remarks, this coffin is indeed a fine piece of work. You flatter me, Your Excellency. In the old country, which we both once called home, I made coffins for kings, and now it pleases me to again create for one of royal blood. And we get a close-up of our customer, and we now see that he has long, sharp canine teeth protruding from his mouth, and he goes on to say, And I am glad to have found you. My old coffin was, after all, centuries old, and I could use a new one in which to sleep during the daylight hours. Shall I have the coffin delivered for you? You forget, Herr Stossel, that I possess the strength of twenty men. I will take it with me. And at that point, the customer picks up the coffin, very reminiscent of the tall man, picking up the coffin in Phantasm, and Ott thinks to himself from inside, now what's happening? I'm being carried off someplace. But where, where? And as the customer carries the coffin off into the night, Stossel thinks to himself, soon His Excellency will open his coffin, and both he and Ott will be surprised. In fact, Bert Ott might die from fright when he looks into the face of Count Dracula, he he. So not only did we get a vampire, but we got THE vampire. And to close out the story, which of course is ending here, we get a closing remark from Adam Spector that says, And as Count Dracula departs, I must close my files of the occult. Till next time, dear readers, pleasant dreams. And that's the end of our story. Okay, I gotta tell you, 
I really enjoyed this story a whole lot, and I could see this being like an episode of Tales from the Dark Side, or Tales of the Unexpected, or any other of those horror anthology TV shows. It just has that feel to it. Uh, you know, a bit of a uh, twist ending, although this ending was sort of telegraphed, of course, you know, when we're talking about a coffin and a special customer who can only arrive after midnight. All in all, it's still a great story, and Jesse Santos's artwork as well is very good. So there you have it, our featured story from the Occult Files of Dr. Spectre number 5, and that was Little Old Coffin Maker. As far as a panel of the episode, I really like the final panel of the story where we see Count Dracula creeping off into the night with the coffin under his arm. Great composition and great artwork on that, and that's going to be our Poe for the episode. So before we close up the vault, we'll energize the random comic generator and see what it kicks back for our next episode. Oh, and by the way, in case you're wondering, this really is a random process. Uh, when I energize the generator, I do not know what it's going to kick back. I find out when you do. So let's see what it has for us. Okay, we're returning to the great publisher Charlton. And we're going to take a look at The Many Ghosts of Dr. Graves, number 66, published by Charlton in June 1981. Now, considering it's 1981, this is near the end of days for Charlton, so more than likely there's at least one reprinted story in this book. But we'll find out when we crack it open next time. So that's going to do it for this episode. As always, I'd like to thank you for listening. If you'd like to reach out and get in touch with me, leave a comment or suggestion or just a chat, you can always drop an email to fourcolorfear at gmail.com. You can also visit the blog, fourcolorfear.blogspot.com. There's an RSS feed there that you can subscribe to. You can check us out on Facebook. Just search for Four Color Fear on Facebook. And remember, Four Color Fear is always spelled the number four, C-O-L-O-R-F-E-A-R. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. He's a demolition demon in a beat-up Chevrolet. It ain't worth a dollar, so he wrecks it every day. Now here is Kenner's SSB smash-up derby set. And you can hoot and holler, cause you ain't seen nothing yet. Crash, bang, crack them up, put them back again. Crash, bang, smash them up, it's smash-up time, my friend. Bye-bye.